0: This New Year's Eve was probably the saddest one that I have passed in recent memory. And what happened was I would become so excited that my football team was gonna be playing in a a playoff game. And all year I had been led to believe that they were better than they were. And plus you got all the pregame hype. So on New Year's Eve I watched as my beloved uh, team was dismantled by a, a superior football team the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> and, uh, you're not even a fan. You're just in <laughs> So what was what was funny was the game got over probably like eleven thirty, getting close to midnight. I don't even remember the ball. I didn't. We, I didn't watch the ball drop. Um, and you know when I don't even remember when the clock struck twelve. So that was probably a pretty sad New Year's Eve for me as my team was defeated. But the point is is that you and I, we all enter the new year from different places, right? Some of us are bombarded by by what we want to do differently. You know, maybe maybe 2016 wasn't your best year, and you want things to change. Others of us are still feeling the weight of decisions we made in previous years, or maybe a bit of both. We want to change, but often we end up with the same resolutions. How many of y'all have had the same resolutions several years running? Anybody? And then we end up with the same results. Or we're overwhelmed with the number of changes, right? We can see several areas. You know, Stephen Covey talks about the wheel of life, and he says if there's several areas of your life that are out of whack, it's like you're riding with a flat tire. And so maybe some of us feel like we're entering 2017 with a little bit of work that needs to be done in order to get things on the right track. And so we do nothing, right? We're just so overwhelmed. But what if you and I could focus on just one thing? Just one thing, huh? If we could boil it all down and focus on one thing, and then when we successfully address that one thing, then we move on to the next thing. One would bring focus to the clutter of thoughts, the clutter of ought-tos, and the clutter of shoulds that we all experience. It would help us to slow down our minds to hear from God, remove condemnation, because that's something we all struggle with, and let God's voice bring about Christ-likeness. Each week over the next four weeks, my intention is to give you just one thought or one action step, to consider, My prayer is that this will help you to engage the new year with a new sense of focus and a new sense of purpose. In week one, we're going to talk about one Lord, and that means that there's one person to live for. In week two, we're going to talk about one word, where we ask God to reveal one word from Scripture to grow us more like Christ. In week three, we're going to talk about one day. Where we give one day to come together to be with our church family, to minister and be ministered to. And then fourthly, we're going to talk about one person. Where we're going to choose one person to encourage, to pray for, and to serve for this new year. Now that sounds doable, right? Just one thing. And I believe that that's the kind of focus that really helps us make progress in our lives. Romans 8.29 says... For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And this is our key verse for this series, that God wants you and I not just to be rescued by Christ, and we're real grateful for that, but he wants us to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers And sisters. So that's where we're headed in this series. So today we're going to talk about one Lord, one person to live for. Isaiah 45 5 says, I am the Lord. There is no other God. You know, one of the things that the prophet Isaiah was continually harping on was the fact that the Israelites, and particularly their leaders, they wanted to have God and They wanted to worship God and other idols. They wanted to worship God and Baal. They wanted to worship God and Ashtoreth. You know, they wanted to worship God and other gods. And this is something that you and I are also tempted to do, right? I'll serve God, and when you're young, I'll serve God and a girl. I'll serve God and a boy.
1: I'll serve God
0: and stuff, huh? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all the toys. I'm going to get all the bells and whistles and have a good time. I'll serve God and money. I'll serve God and my career. I'll serve God and entertainment. Maybe I'll even serve God in Visa, huh? You know, because Visa provides for me all the things that God has not You know, when I don't have enough money, Visa fills the bill. So we want to serve God in. Exodus 20, verse 3 says... You must not have any other God but me. Now, God insists on the fact that we only worship him. And it's because he knows that if we have a divided heart, if we want God and, then we're going to end up with mixed results. Here's what I mean by that. When you serve, when you and I fall into the temptation to serve God and, we're going to get both blessings. That will be there. God will bless us. But we'll also get bruises huh? when we're stepping outside of God's will, when we're pursuing things other than him. We're going to end up with our loves. We're going to get joy, you know, of serving God and knowing God. But with a divided heart, we're also going to get regrets. We're going to get conviction. You know, we're going to feel really strongly about things that God feels strongly about. But then we're also going to experience compromise in our lives. And the saddest part is we're going to end up with double-minded Disciples who are just like us. The people that look to us, the people that depend on us, the people that are looking for leadership from us, they also will be serving God and a number of other things. So, since there is one Lord, first of all, there is one will to seek. If there is one Lord, there is one will to seek. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says, Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if there's one Lord, and that's all we need to focus on today, one Lord, then there is one will. And if you and I will focus on seeking only God's will this year, not just today, not just this week, not just this month, but this entire year, I believe this will be your best year. If we can focus on one will, God's will. Dave Ramsey puts forth an interesting formula in his book, Entree Leadership. He says, focused intensity over time multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. He says, most people struggle to stay focused, right? We're so distracted in our lives. And then add that intensity over time. Typically, you and I can be focused and intense only for short periods of time. So here's a few examples. You ever tried to go to the gym in January? I mean, that, that's when all the memberships were sold. And when you, and I went the other day, and I was frustrated because there's so many people and they're filling the machines. But come February, come March, it returns to business as usual. What about that New Year's budget, huh? We're going to get our finances in order this year. And then that first payday comes, and that pizza sounds real good. Or that new movie's out. Or that new article of clothing is on sale. And then the budget kind of goes out the window. Or what about our resolution to get rid of that extra stuff that we don't need? I'm not not, not talking about pounds, although that's an issue. (laughs) What about all that stuff in the garage or in the attic? We're going to get rid of all that. We're going to have a garage sale. But what happens, it starts multiplying, and then there's more, and then there's more stuff. That's a a struggle in our home. You know, our children are really good at this, you know, being focused and intense for a short period of time. You ever been in the store when they see that toy? Or when they, I mean, when they get older, what would it be, the the skateboard or or the, the sporting equipment? And they can be really focused and really intense for a real brief burst. And when they get focused and intense, what is our favorite tactic? Especially when they're young, what do we do? Pull out something. Pull out the phone. Pull out a lot of anything to distract them. Because they're focused and they're intense. But we know that if we can get them focused on something else, then that will go away. They'll, they'll lose focus and they'll lack intensity. Another way to think about this is that our lives are like a locomotive engine. If we are focused on God's will and we're focused on God's way and we maintain that intensity over time, God is going to multiply what he endorses until that train is chugging along toward a meaningful life in a way that is impossible to miss and it seems impossible to stop. You know, when you're focused on God and his will and his way and your intense. And and you maintain that over time by God's grace. And he just builds into that engine. And it gets rolling. And and you know who these people are. I mean, it's like, it's impossible to miss. Because they're so devoted to the Lord. They're so focused on their relationship with him. And then over time, it's like, you can't stop them. You know, they're not going to give up. They're not going to quit. They're not going to give in. They're going to keep persevering. Because their focus is on their relationship. So firstly, one will to seek. Secondly, one moment to reserve. One moment to reserve. 1 Corinthians nine says, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, as already mentioned, God wants us to be like his son. And the way that he describes it is partnership. You know, in Jesus' time, people were very familiar with the idea of master, servant. In their world, somebody was the boss, somebody called the shots, and then somebody else just meekly obeyed and did the will of master. So they were very familiar with this, and frankly, that's what Jesus' disciples were expecting. Jesus was the rabbi, he called the shots, and we do whatever he says. But Jesus had something different in mind. Jesus introduced a new model master, friend. In fact, there's a scriptural passage where he says, now that I've told you, you know, about my plans and about my will, I don't consider you servants, but you're friends. You're not slaves, you're friends. So Jesus introduces master, friend. In other words, his goal isn't to keep you and I down. It's to lift us up. And sometimes we're tempted to feel like God is like some cosmic killjoy, especially when we're young, right? God doesn't want us to have any fun. He wants to restrict us. He wants us to submit. He wants us to obey. But that's the lie that Adam and Eve fell for in the Garden of Eden. That God's intention was to restrict them and to keep them down. But the truth is that God wants to lift you and I up. Jesus wants you to be the best you that you can be. And the best you that you and I can be is to be His. But the truth is, this is going to require some cooperation, not just meek submission. You know, I've had that season in my life where I was afraid of God, and I was afraid of hell. And so I said, God, whatever you say, that's what I'll do, because I I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want you to be disappointed in me, and I don't want punishment. But the truth is, is that God wants us to participate. He wants us to cooperate. He wants to partner with us so that we can become what He's called us to be. He doesn't just want meek submission, He wants cooperation. Again, this isn't about master servant. God wants to develop us for our benefit and for His glory. John fifteen five says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So with this moment that we need to reserve, we need to ask ourselves the question, how can we remain in Christ? Because that's where it all comes from. That's where it all flows from. How can we remain in Him? It starts with making your relationship with God a priority. And we're not talking about hours and hours of time, but we are talking about reserving a moment. So first we need to decide the will that we're going to seek, and then we need to reserve some time. And you might even need to go so far as to schedule it. I do daily Bible reading myself, usually in the morning. Our family has begun Bible reading and prayer around the dinner table. Find out what works for you. You know, set aside some time to read scripture. Set aside some time to pray and seek God. And you know what most of us do when we pray? We, we do a lot of this. We do a lot of help, help, help. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give Come on, God. Hey, God, I'm in trouble. Hey, God, I need help. Hey, God, I need you to step in and make things right. But I would suggest to you a simple formula that I've used for years. When you're praying and you you find that time, that 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, where you're sitting by yourself, which is hard to do, I mean, especially if you've got kids, but you find that time, it's called ACTS, A-C-T-S. You start out with adoration, you know, focusing on who God is, you know, Focusing on Him and His goodness and His attributes. And then you move on to C, which is confession, where you confess, God, you know, I've fallen short. I'm not who I need to be. Here's the areas where I messed up. And you confess it to God. And then you move on to T, which is thanksgiving. Thank God for all the things that He's done for you. Specifically, name them out. And so if you've spent time adoring God for who He is, if you've spent time confessing that you're, you fall short of God's standard, and you spend time thanking Him, then you're ready for S, which is supplication, where you're asking God for things. And can you imagine how different your attitude approaching God will be if you follow just that simple pathway when you're interacting with Him? Where's your focus going to be? It's going to be on Him. It's going to be on His will. It's going to be on His plans. So thirdly, we have one confession to uphold. Matthew 16, 15, and 16 says, Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know, up to this point, Peter wasn't yet thoroughly convinced that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. But Jesus kind of presses him on it. He says, Who do you say that I am? Peter says, Well, some say this guy, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And then the Holy Spirit enables him to make this confession. So when God brings you to this place through the Holy Spirit, and sometimes, you know, it's a process. It was for me. I was in church my whole life. It wasn't until 17 that it kind of clicked with me. But once God brings you to that place, and it's a work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart, then our job is to cling to it, to uphold it. For the rest of our days. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You know when our children first became acquainted with swimming pools. They were tenacious in their determination to cling to daddy. Daddy. And they were convinced in their heart of hearts that the key to safety and the key to enjoying the experience was to cling to daddy. And you know what? They were right. And it's similar when we think about our relationship with God and our faith in God. If we will cling to God, if we will cling to Christ, if we will cling to faith with all of our hearts and all of our souls, that is the key to safety, eternal safety safety of mind and body in this life and it's the key to enjoyment if you want to enjoy life if you want to live a fulfilling satisfying life then you need to make god's will his will your priority so decide to follow his will reserve that time to relate to him and then uphold that good confession because if we cling to and build our lives upon the foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ, he has promised to never leave us. He has promised to never forsake us. So the bottom line today is that you've got one life to live. Live your one life for the one Lord. You know when we're young this is we kind of we want the opposite sex, sex to say something about us. And before your imagination runs wild, you know, I'm a young man out about town. I want women to say about me, what a man. Huh? You see him, you see the way he talks, you see the way he walks, you see the way he looks, what a man. And women, we want, I mean, you want men to say, what a woman. You see how she walks, you see how she talks, you see who she is, what a woman. But when we're older and when we're gone, this is what we want people to say about us. What a Did you see their life? Did you experience their life? Did you see the wake that they left behind? Did you see the lives that were impacted? The lives that were changed because that one life lived? We watched that classic movie this weekend, It's a Wonderful Life, finished it with the kids. And he got a powerful example of what life would have been like without him. But we want people to say about us, what a life. And so you and I have one life. Let's live it for the one. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this opportunity to be here with my friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. May we be like more and more day after day. Let us be focused and intent on doing your will, God and then let you multiply that momentum and create such an incredible um, effect through our lives and make your mark through us, God, that it will be unmistakable at the end of our lives, people will sit in the pews at our memorial service and say, that was a person who loved God. That was a person who served God first. And if there was one thing, if there was one thing that their life was built entirely around, it was their faith. And a good and loving God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on this earth for our sins. And may they be deeply impacted, God, by the life that you live, Jesus, through us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.